0: You're listening to The Theology Mom Podcast. And now, here's Theology Mom, Krista Bontrager.
1: Hello, everybody. We're back. Hi. Hi. Welcome to All The Things, the show where we talk about all the things. I am Monique
2: Dusan. And I am Krista Bontrager. And I'm glad to be here. And we were dark last week. We were. And you were working. We did a family thing but we're back. We are back and And in full effect. We have a special guest and, you know, we should probably say up front what all the things refers to is what is the show about? It's about, it's about where we talk about God, life, the Bible, all the things, the real.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I think for me, it's more of like, what are the things that people really don't want to talk about in church? Like, you know, I secretly still do this on the side. You think I'm going to go to hell? <laughs>
2: <laughs> is that what this is for you? Or, or um I struggle with these doubts. Yes. I struggle with these questions. Or how do I talk to somebody about these things?
1: Yes. How do I share my faith? Yeah. Or how do I talk to my children about Jesus? In the cultural climate that we're in.
2: Yes. So. We're going to be talking about a lot of those things.
1: In the weeks to come, for yes, sure. for
2: sure. And tonight, that's yes. for sure. So, should we do the right. setup for the show?
1: Yeah, you know, I guess, since we don't want to delay or anything like <laughs> that's that. That's right. I
2: want to get right to the guest. I'm excited.
1: Well, since you know much more about him than I do, I think you should set this up. And so I, in no way, dishonor. Yeah.
2: Well, I don't think that could happen. <laughs> but I want to, we're going to talk in just a minute here to... Um, A gentleman that I met a couple of years ago at the AMP conference um, at Reasons to Believe, uh, Pastor Ramin Parsa, he's a former Muslim, and uh, is going to talk to us a little bit about his journey to Christianity and some of the similarities and differences between Islam and Christianity, because those questions do come up, and we want to know how to share our faith and how to how to talk to people respectfully and carefully yes um but also accurately and so that we can really make christ known to people in, in an accurate way so and take your questions so jump in the chat box if if you have questions about um differences similarities between islam and christianity jump in the chat box and we'll try to weave those into the conversation
1: i love 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 this because i don't think that in our churches We are really taught how to talk to someone of a different faith and what are the similarities and what are the differences and how do we respectfully, you know, engage with, with other cultures, with other religions. It's really important. Very cool. Yeah. And then... Last night, we went to the Eric Church conf- conference, Con- concert. <laughs> concert, yes. Yes, we went to the Eric Church that concert. at the Staples Center. Yes, we were a part of the church choir. There we are. When that I- was us wearing our Johnny Cash shirts. All right. Yeah, and I think a lot, of, we both had very similar thoughts about the concert and what the experience was overall. So we're going to talk about that just a little bit.
2: Yeah, toward the end. Yeah. Uh, and just a little bit about... Had us some theological thoughts. And I thought it was interesting that you and I had the same reactions. Very
1: very similar. <laughs> yeah. And then we
2: can weave in Johnny Cash and I'm in Johnny al- Cash theology. Always up for a conversation about that. And again, we wanna remind people they can join us in the chat box on YouTube. So if you're if you're watching on Facebook, go click over to YouTube and you can get the chat box there. Awesome. And join the conversation.
1: And please Ask your questions, post your questions in the chat box, and we will do our best to get to them and answer them and make sure that your voice is also heard.
2: And I see that our friend Juwad is already online with us, and he says, "Uh, Hi, my dear sisters, I missed you so much last week. Well, thank you. You were also missed. Yes. So glad to be back. And we're glad to have you here, Juwad. And I I look forward to your questions with our friend, uh, Pastor Parsa. So I want to get our friend Ramin on here and- He's joining us on Zoom and we're going to try this for a first time of doing a live guest on Zoom. There he is. Hello, Ramin. Hello. Glad to have you here.
0: Thank you for having me. It's an honor for me to be with you guys.
2: Well, it's an honor for us to have you and we really, really appreciate. We know you have a very busy schedule making the time to talk to us. And, um, just so you know, our friend Juwad, who joins us every week, who is a Muslim, and he's asking a lot of really great questions. And so I'm sure he's going to be listening to what you say tonight, as well as other people joining the the live stream. Uh, some of our, some of them are Christians and some of them are not. Yeah. And so um, we will kind of try to weave in some of those, their questions on the chat box as we talk to you. I do want to let everyone know that... Um, Ramin is the author of the book Ashes to Glory, and you can get that on his website uh, at raminparsa.org. Is that right?
0: Yes, that's correct.
2: Very good. And I want to make sure everyone knows about that. And that book is a little bit about your journey to Christianity. Is that right?
0: Yes, it's my uh, story. It's the story of Persia uh, and uh, how it became Iran and also it uh, mentions my uh, my upbringing and how I came to know the Lord.
2: Very good. Well, we're going to hear a little bit about that tonight. Um, I want to kind of set the table here and tell us a little bit about your life before you came to faith in Christianity. Help us understand, because our friend Juwad has asked us a lot of questions about Jesus. And I'm wondering what Muslims believe about Jesus. I, I think that... I, that they respect him, but I'm not sure I know what they actually believe about him.
0: Right. Uh, Well, my greetings to Juvat, and uh, if he's listening to me, uh, I say hello to him. Uh, Yes, I was born and raised a Muslim, and um, I was, uh, from the very young age, I was told that uh, Allah is God, and uh, Muhammad is his prophet, and I have to basically obey the commandments and do the Sharia law and the things that Islam requires in order for me to uh, go to heaven. So if I obey the commandments and do the things that Allah commands me uh, through the prayers that I did, fastings and uh, the uh, the rituals that I had to obey in order to earn uh, Allah's acceptance and approval to go to heaven. So uh, at a very young age, I began to fast and pray and really seek um, Allah because I was told he's the, he's the only God. He's the only true God. And the the thing is that we didn't have any other options. It's not like in America that you have the freedom to go and you know read the bible or read you know go to a temple or go to a synagogue or go to a church uh everything was predominantly islam when i was growing up and uh, and Allah was the dominant uh, basically faith that islam was the dominant faith over the nation and uh, so we grew up that way and um at age 16 after some experiences some stuff that happened uh, that's when i began to question islam and i did a deep study and um and I found the things in the Quran and in the Hadith and in the Islamic teachings that I could not accept that they are from God and uh, that God, the Creator of the heaven and earth, could be could be like that. So, with all due respect, uh, we love Muslim people, and I have uh, relatives, I have aunts and uncles and and uh, uh, cousins who are Muslims, and um, I'm reaching out to them as well. So, uh, the message of the Gospel is the love of God towards humanity in His Son Jesus. So, Very good. Uh, that's my endeavor. Yeah.
2: Now. Would you say that Muslims, they obviously don't believe that Jesus is the son of God, like Christians say, would they say that he's a prophet?
0: That's that's true. That's true. Uh, In Islam, Islamic theology, they believe that God could not be a father and has no son. And uh, in fact, to say that Jesus is the son of God, according to Islam, is blasphemy. It's called shirk or mushrik. Mushrik is a person who associates someone with God. So... uh, you know, in when I grew up as a Muslim, Allah was so distant and so hard to please, and um, but He was very present for punishing every time we made a mistake. We were so afraid that we're going to be punished, and uh, but He was distant in 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 helping, and we had a hard time uh, basically connecting with Him, and 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 we were not sure if He's happy with us or if He's not, if He's accepting us, if we are okay in His side or not. But the thing is that in Islamic theology, yeah, they look at Jesus as a prophet uh, now according to the bible jesus was a prophet that was his his, his office His called jesus was an apostle he was a prophet he was an evangelist he was a pastor he was a teacher uh, all the fivefold ministries that god has given to the church jesus had them but his character his personality his person was god so people uh, you know in islamic theology they mix the two they think okay if jesus was a prophet he could not be the son of god uh for instance if you say this person is an engineer so therefore, he's not a human, or if he's a human, he's not. A, he could not be an engineer or a doctor. The same way, in in uh, in the Bible, introduces Jesus as actually a prophet too, but uh, not uh, not that he is only a prophet, but he's God who came in the human flesh to exhibit the character of God and the uh, the identity of God in the human uh, uh, character. That's why. We believe in Jesus as the Son of God. And in fact, the word son, when we say that he's a son of God, because that was hard to say or believe. In fact, when I became a Christian, uh, when I heard the gospel for the first time, I rejected the gospel. I could not accept that God could have a son. And of course, I was thinking biologically that how could this uh, amazing, powerful God uh, have a son? I mean, how could he produce a son? I mean, did he marry a woman and, and then that's uh, how he... Uh, how he got a son. But then in, in Greek, in the Bible, the son is not referring to biological aspect, but it's referring to a person who could fully express his father's character. Um, you know, we have different words for son and for a child in the Bible in Greek. The word son is heos, and heos means a person who is able to uh, reveal the character of his father. And like when I say, for example, if this person is my son, that means he is like me. Uh, his thinking, his character, his behavior is just like me. So when we say Jesus is the Son of God, we're referring to His character, just being like God. That's why Jesus said, "He who has seen me has seen the Father." And um, and also John one eighteen, the Bible says that, and no man at any time has seen God, but His only begotten Son, who was in His bosom, He revealed Him or He unveiled Him. Uh, again, in Hebrews chapter one, say the same thing that He's the express image of His person, uh, and and the glory of His character. So Jesus came to show us. What God looks like, and not in a physical appearance, not in physically how God looks like, but in behavior, in character, in in the way that Jesus lived and that Jesus, the way he spoke, the things he did, and to show that God is a merciful and gracious God, who uh, who is willing to save and not to not to perish. Well,
2: that's that's a very helpful answer, and I've never heard it explained quite that way. Yeah. So that was very helpful. And our friend Juwad, uh was very excited that we're doing this topic tonight. And he kind of put a question in the chat box, uh, very similar to what you've been talking about here, um, that it says in the book of Numbers, it says, God is not a man. And according to this verse, Jesus cannot be God. So he's confused. And Juad, I want to, um, again, commend you on your very fine question and let Pastor Ramin know that you're a very sincere seeker. You're not a troublemaker you're you're really trying to understand these things and so i don't know um just just kind of um letting you know you know that these are the very questions that Jawad is is definitely wrestling with at this point
0: right right yeah that's that's normal a lot of muslims have a hard time uh, believing that and that's true the bible says uh we believe the same thing we don't believe that uh man is god we believe god became man Two different things, because if you believe that man is God, yes, of course, that's blasphemy. But we don't believe that man is God. We believe that God became a man or God came in the human flesh. Because see, when we talk about a man, a human being, it consists of three parts, spirit, soul and body. Uh, So Jesus, uh, he was a spirit with God and he was equal to God. He was God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was was God. And then the Word became flesh. Basically, this a spiritual being who was God, he came into the human flesh, and we know him as the Son of God, uh, and his name is Jesus. So uh, it's two different things to say that man is God. Uh, but God, uh, and in the book of Numbers, when he's referring to that God is not a man, uh, is referring that God is not like a man who breaks his promise. Uh, so in the context, he's talking about when uh, basically Balaam is, uh, is um, going and uh, Balak brought him to curse Israel and then he saw the glory of Israel and then uh, when he's saying that God has spoken, will he not do it? And he's not like a man uh, he's not like a man to break his word and nor a Son of man to repent. So he's saying that he's not a man who changes his word. So in the context, if you read it, he's not talking about uh, basically that God you know, God could not become a man. He's saying that God is not like a human being, who always breaks his word and his promises. Um, but God always keeps his promise.
2: That, that is really helpful. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, go ahead. Pastor Ramin, yes, this, the- yeah, go ahead. you're quoting
1: a lot of scripture, which I love, and I love that you're able to back up the thoughts with the word and in a way that it that makes sense. But my question is, what do Muslims think about the Bible and how do you, um, I guess, reconcile any kind of conflict that, that Muslims may have with the scriptures?
0: Uh, yeah, unfortunately, you know, uh, when I grew up as a Muslim, we were told that uh, the scripture, the the Torah and the, the gospel, uh, they have been changed and distorted. Basically, we were told that they are not original and they have been changed and, and they have been distorted. So that's how we grew up. Uh, in fact, we were told that uh, that uh, people changed the gospel because uh, the, the gospel is talking about Muhammad and they they told us that basically Jesus um, prophesied the coming of Muhammad but they, then Christians changed it and that's not true because uh, the way that God gave the Bible uh, to uh, to us to the people, to Israel uh, he didn't give the whole Bible to one person because God is wise so he didn't give the whole Bible to one person so he could be accused of exaggeration or, or lying or or just you know writing his own things so god gave portion by portion throughout centuries to different prophets to different people and and even those people who wrote those portions of the bible they didn't know that their writings are going to become a part of the bible Uh, but later on when we and then every time god gave a revelation or a a writing through a prophet uh, every uh, israeli had a copy of it so they would write it and they would copy it and the jews were very strict in copying the exact copy, exact same thing that originally was given. In fact, every time they referred to the name God or Yahweh, they had to change their pen. They, they, would, they would use a new pen, and they would never use that pen again. That's how strict and how sensitive they were towards scriptures. So, uh, and then God gave different portions of the scripture to different people to add different uh, in, in the sixteen hundred span of history. And uh, so, uh, for example, when God gave the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, uh, every Jew had a copy. And then when the book of Joshua was written, and then Judges, and then Ruth, and then First uh, and Second Samuel, and when these books were written, everybody had a copy of those, those writings. So uh, until the, the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi was written, and then, of course, the Gospels. But when this was done, every Jewish person had a copy of all the books of the Bible. So in order for someone to change it, he had to go gather all these manuscripts, and come and change it, which is impossible. In fact, we have early, uh, 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 very old manuscripts, almost uh, 500,000 manuscripts that refers to uh, the, uh, the accuracy of the Bible. And there's no difference, the Dead Sea Scrolls ever found that they are the same. And plus, God is able to protect His Word. If God could not protect the Bible and, and the Torah, the, the, the Gospels, then uh, what is, as a Muslim, what is the guarantee it could protect the Quran? I can say the same thing, that the Quran is changed. If, if, if I was a Muslim, if you were a Muslim and you believe that the Quran is from Allah and from God, then I can say that the Quran is changed. But what is the evidence? And um, I don't believe Quran uh, basically is the word of God, but I believe the Bible is the word of God. And God protects. In fact, in the book of Psalms, it says he preserves his word. He protects his word. Uh, So it's impossible for a man to change the the Bible. I mean, uh, I can change my own Bible, but what I would do with your Bible, with all the millions of Bibles, billions of Bibles around the world, and the same thing in the ancient times, when everybody had a copy, nobody could change the Bible.
2: Very good. I'm wondering, you kind of give us some hints about your journey to faith. And once again, I want to let everyone know about your book um, that contains the longer version of your story, called Ashes to Glory, from Ashes to Glory. um, Maybe you can just give us a couple of snapshots about how you transitioned out of Islam and came to believing in Jesus as your Savior more than a prophet uh, as your Savior in becoming a Christian.
0: Uh, Yes, well, uh, after I I began to research it and read the Quran and the Hadith and I saw the things that I could not accept that, these are from the living God. And uh, then gradually my faith in Islam began to crumble. But that wasn't a good news because um, I really invested my life upon Islam. I mean, my whole family used to go to the mosque and pray, uh, would get up early in the morning and pray and then uh, fast during Ramadan and, and go and pray and, and uh, trying to please Allah to go to heaven. My mom was a very devout Muslim, my whole family, my whole siblings. Uh, very devout Muslims. So what happened uh, at age 16 when I began to see the things that I was uh, looking for and, and searching, and I was very genuine in my, in my uh, search and I was trying to find the truth. So, um, but more I studied, more I my, more I studied and researched I, and more I found the reason not to believe in Islam. And, uh, but again that wasn't a good news because then I began to say, okay, if Allah is not God and Muhammad is not his prophet, then who is God? then what am I doing here? Um, You know, if there is a God, then who is he? If there is no God, then what am I doing here? Who made me? What is the purpose of this life? And these were the questions that I could not simply ignore. And um, I was just, uh, I mean, nothing else really mattered in my life at that point. Um, and, And shortly after that, I had a bad experience. And then, um, with Islamic Sharia law. And then what happened was after that, my father passed away. So pain after pain caused me to really see the vanity of life, that how vain life is. I mean, how short life is. I saw my dad, um, you know, when I was growing up, I saw him working and, and the things he went through, the things he did, and then he died. And I, and I saw the vanity of life in front of my eyes that this man lived his life and then he finished. I mean, he died. So where is he now? And, uh, and I just, you know, no education, no plan for future, no thing none of those things could really make me happy. And I began to isolate myself and, and have these deep questions about the purpose and the meaning of life. And um, so gradually I was really getting depressed and more depressed and more uh, hopeless in life and had no uh, plans for life, had no future, had no, no hope and, and no reason to live anymore. And I really became suicidal so and depressed. So at age uh, 19, I was, as I was crying out to God, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. And I, I said that with all my heart. I was crying out to God, who are you? And, um, and if you're real, because when I became suicidal, I was afraid to commit suicide because I, I didn't know if I die where I would go. Uh, and the, on the other hand, I didn't want to live in this world full of injustice and oppression and war and crimes and the things that I was experiencing and seeing and, and seeing the, 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 the meaningless of life. So, uh, and, uh, you know, one day through satellite, I heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and in Iran, you know, having a satellite dish is illegal uh, to have. But people buy them in the black markets and they watch them secretly. So my brother had a satellite dish. And I came across this channel. I was flipping through this channel out of desperation. And I came uh, across this channel. And this guy was talking about Jesus, uh, that Jesus is the son of God. He died for me on the cross and he rose from the dead. And if I believe in him, I'll be saved. And again, just like Jawad, they had the same reaction, same questions, you know, uh, how could God be, uh, you know, how could God have a son? I mean, I couldn't accept that. So I rejected the whole premise of, of Christianity and uh, Christ being the son of God. So I rejected the whole thing. And again, I was still broken and hopeless and depressed. And one week later, I was very suicidal, very depressed. And I heard the gospel again. And I came across the same channel. And I heard the gospel that Jesus is the Son of God. He loves me, and he died for me on the cross. He was buried and He rose from the dead. And if I put my faith and trust in him, I'll be saved. Now, that was too good to be true. Imagine, as a Muslim, I was trying to earn uh, forgiveness and salvation through my own words, through my prayers and fasting and through things. You know, there are 1.6 billion Muslims in the world. Not even one is sure that if they die, if he or she dies, goes to heaven. Not even one. You can ask any Muslim, if you die today, where would you go? Uh, they would say, well, inshallah, I don't know. Maybe Allah wills if Allah wants. Um, but what if you don't? That's why um, there's no assurance of salvation in Islam. So what happened was, uh, when I heard that if I just put my faith and trust in Jesus, I'll be saved, that was like, too good to be true. Uh, so uh, that day I had nothing to lose. I was very depressed, very uh, desperate very hopeless and i opened my heart and I very genuinely talked to jesus and i said jesus i don't know you i was told you're a prophet as a muslim and now i hear you're the son of god you died for me on the cross and you rose from the dead i don't know if it's truth or not uh, but if it's truth i ask you to come into my heart And and i say this very um very genuinely i said i don't want to be robbed by religion again and I said, come into my heart if you're real. I accept you. I believe in you. And I was praying this prayer of salvation to accept Christ in my heart. And as I was doing it, a heat went through my left hand. A warmth went through my left hand. It went through all my body. And I was shaking and trembling. And I felt somebody put his hand into my heart. And yanked out all that hatred and anger and depression and bitterness. And I felt a love that I never felt before, but I always wanted. I felt this acceptance. I felt this holy presence in my room that I never felt before. I felt a joy uh, indescribable. I felt this peace um, that was surpassing my understanding. And, from, and I was jumping up and down and praising God. Imagine I was a depressed, broken person. I couldn't eat before that. I couldn't sleep. Uh, I was depressed, isolated, fat. And in that moment, I felt a love that I never felt before. So from that day on, my life completely changed. It's been 14 years, and throughout these 14 years, I've I've seen thousands of other signs and reasons to believe. I've seen thousands of other, uh, basically, signs to believe. I've seen miracles, signs, wonders. I've seen God's hands in my life. So it's not just a one-time experience. In past 14 years, I've seen so, so many miracles. And not only that, I've seen the scripture. As I studied scripture, I saw that uh, my own history, did you know I learned my own history in the Bible when I saw the Persians, the Persian kings who helped uh, the Jewish nation, who helped Israel, uh, King Cyrus and Darius and Xeroxes and others These are the kings who actually supported Israel and they had a role in biblical events. And, uh, and my eyes are being opened every day and more and more I'm seeing the truth of the gospel. And I'm not sorry uh, for a second for being a Christian and for knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He changed my life, and I love him with all my heart. And I believe he's a Savior, the only way to heaven, the only Savior of humanity is Jesus, the Son of the living God.
1: Amen. That is a Amen. good word. Thank you very Amen. much for your testimony. That's very encouraging and, and inspiring. Um, our friend Juad writes in, and he said, um, I would like to thank Pastor Amin for his honesty. And I just, yeah, echo that. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for thank the you. bold stand that you are for others, for Muslims, for those who are not Muslims. Just the the truth of your testimony.
0: Yeah, um, thank a, couple, you so much.
1: a couple of weeks ago, um, we got talking or Juwad posed a question actually on crucifixion and human sacrifice. And Juwad if you I mean you're still there I know you just wrote in um, you can correct me if I speak under correction on your question but the question was along the lines of why did Jesus need to be crucified isn't that a form of human sacrifice which the old testament condemns Pastor I mean what would you say to that question in response to Juwad
0: uh, well, uh, no. The, the death of Jesus was completely different than human sacrifice. Human sacrifice was actually done by pagan uh, worshippers, the people who had uh, false gods, and they offered their own children, uh, again, as a sacrifice, as a way to earn, uh, earn the, the favor of their gods. In, in the Christian, in the gospel, uh, basically God is revealing his wrath, that God made all of us in his own image. We betrayed him, we committed high treason, and, and we began to oppress each other, killing each other, and stealing from each other, lying to each other, and we began to do crimes and bad things. So God, as a just judge, you know, the same way that God is a loving father, he also, one of his, uh, basically, uh, uh, traits of his character is that he's a just judge. So in his uh, judgment, he has to judge us, and, and there's a wrath, there's an anger, justice, the anger of righteousness and justice that is stored up for us. I was a sinner. I was worshiping, you know, uh, a, a, wrong, a wrong God, and I was obeying and doing things that were not right. And now I know that they were not right. But then what happens is that uh, God has to unleash his wrath upon me. But Jesus, his, his son, he was willing to come and take my place and take that wrath for me. Imagine, you know, I heard the story of a... Uh, um, a highway trooper um, that he that is uh, highway uh, patrol. Um, he was on the side of highway, and the car comes and passed by this by his car, and then he starts you know very fast, and he starts chasing the car down and pull the car pulls the car over, and then uh, he goes to the car and it's his own son. So imagine as a police officer as a highway patrol. So he has to uh, basically implement justice. He has to enforce justice, and if he wants to do that, he has to give a ticket to his own son. Now, what he would do, if he doesn't, then he is not enforcing justice. He is discriminating. He is basically uh, playing partiality. So what he did, he wrote the ticket, but he paid for it himself. And that's exactly what God did. So God came in the human flesh and took the judgment that we deserve. And thus he paid for our sins. And in the eyes of justice, this price was paid. So it's not a human sacrifice. It's that Jesus took the burden. Isaiah 53 describes it very vividly. It says that, you know, he himself took uh, our infirmities, bore our sicknesses by his stripes, we were healed. That God laid on him the iniquity of us all. And uh, we all like sheep had gone our own way. But it pleased the Lord to put our burden on him. And and Jesus paid for our sins on the cross with his own blood. Uh, Because the Bible says without shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. In the book of uh, Leviticus, in in Exodus, we see that the Bible says a life for a life. When, when man sins, the penalty of sin is death. So Jesus took that death for us. And, uh, and it wasn't uh, anything like the human sacrifice in the Old Testament that people did, because they were doing it to the pagan uh, pagan gods for their own benefits, for their own ways. And um, Jesus came and willingly and voluntarily led his own life, uh, to take the wrath, to basically, so justice could be served. And that's a, it, it, was, it was a sacrifice. It was a selfless sacrifice with Jesus. I heard uh, in one of the um, French Revolution that there was a man who was arrested, that he was uh, one of the revolutionaries who was arrested, and he was about to be executed. So his father comes to see him for the last time. And as he came to the, to the prison to see his son, and as they called his name, he was asleep, so he could not hear. And it was the same time that they wanted to execute him. But his father went on, basically his father took his place and went and died for him. And they executed the father, not knowing that he's not the person, he's his father. But he told his friend, I tell my son that I died for him. And, and based upon the law in France, they couldn't kill both of them because one person paid the price. And they could not punish two people for, for one crime uh, that one person committed. So that father died for his son. That's exactly what Jesus did. It, was a, it wasn't a human sacrifice. It was uh, basically Jesus laying down his life, uh, basically, so we could live. And, and that's exactly what Jesus said in the Gospel of John, that there's no greater love than, 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 than to, for one to lay his life down for his friends. So Jesus came and laid his life down. And those human sacrifices, were, they, they were involuntarily, those people who were being killed, those babies who were being sacrificed, uh, it was against their will, do that it was against their will to be killed and to be sacrificed and usually they would offer infants and and sometimes even adults but it was against their wish and their will but jesus came willingly laid down his life as a sacrifice and took our place so jesus received the wrath and the judgment that we deserve so we could receive the blessing of life and salvation and that he deserved so we received what he did so basically took our place so we could take his place and we could become a child of God through faith in Him.
2: Wow, that's such a powerful answer. And I want to let all of our friends who are watching and listening on the podcast uh, that we're recording that we'll post later this week, um, I want to let them know how to get connected with your ministry. Uh, you can go visit Ramin's website at raminparsa.org. That's raminparsa, all one word, dot O-R-G. But also you have a YouTube channel and many videos there that people can watch or even share uh, with their Muslim friends. Uh, I noticed that some of them are translated into Farsi so that they can be shared um, with others that that don't speak English but are are Muslims. I'm wondering, Ramin, uh, in your ministry, as you're ministering to people who are coming out of Islam into Christianity, what suggestions would you give to those Muslims who are wanting to know if Jesus really is the son of God, if he's more than a prophet and that Muhammad is is not the prophet of Allah, but that, you know, Jesus is truly the son of God that has died in their place to take their sins. You know, how, what, what suggestions would you give to those people?
0: Uh, Well, my suggestion is that if they are thirsty and genuine, I will promise that they will find the truth. Because see, uh, the Bible says that those who seek, they will find. And, and Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and have a heavy leaden, and I will give you rest, and you will find rest for your souls. And, 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 and he said, to take my yoke, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus is calling all men to come to him. And God is commanding. This is the commandment of God. See, the whole world right now is under only one commandment, to believe in God's Son, which is Jesus. That's God's commandment to entire humanity. First uh, John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20 says that, that this is the commandment, that we all believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. And then a commandment from Jesus, that was the commandment from the Father. And the commandment from Jesus is that we must love one another. So my, my message to the Muslims or any, anyone who's watching this, this uh, uh, episode and they, they are interested and they are hungry, if you are really interested and genuine, you will find the truth. See, uh, if you read the Gospels, there were people who come, came to Jesus, the Pharisees, the uh, scribes, uh, people who were religious. And they, were, they, they didn't really come to Jesus for an answer. A handful of them came, but not most of them came just to find a, a fault in him. They were trying to find a, a problem in, in Jesus. But some of them, they were, they were really genuine. And they came and they found the truth, and Jesus answered them. Uh, but, for example, some of them came to just you know, pick on him and to find a fault in him and to trap him. Uh, but in, in the Gospel of John chapter 3, there was a man uh, who was a religious person, and he came to Jesus, and he was very genuine. And he said, uh, uh, teacher, no one can do the things that you do unless God is with him. And and Jesus gave a completely different response. If you uh, look at the answer that Jesus gave, he said, uh, "Unless you bo- most surely I say to you, unless you be born again, you cannot have eternal life. And, um, and then he said, what do you mean be born again? Can I go to my mom's womb and be born again? I'm an old man. How can that be possible? And Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is the spirit. And then he began to basically introduce that concept of being born again. Because every human being who is not a believer in Christ is dead spiritually. Even if you grew up in a Christian family, because we all must accept Christ in our lives and our hearts personally. And if you don't, if you don't personally accept Christ in your heart, you're not born again. And once we do that, the Spirit of God revives our spirit and we become one with God. And that's the concept of born again. And um, uh, so Jesus said, if you, you know, uh, if you believe, you will be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 it says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Uh, so this is a simple gospel that Christ died for our sins, he's God who came to the flesh. He died for our sins on the cross, and he rose from the dead. And if you believe in him as your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. So my message to the Muslim uh, people who are watching, or uh, atheists, or anybody from any walk of life who is watching this episode, my message to you, if you're really hungry and genuine, God will show you the truth. God will open your eyes, and he will help you to believe. And uh, But if we are proud and we are arrogant, we are trying to reject God, and we think we know more than everything and what are everybody, that's when we don't get an answer. Even if God himself show up in our room, we still won't believe him. But if you are really genuine and, and humble, and we are, just like when I cried out to God, I was, I had hit the rock bottom. I was at the end of myself. And that's when I really found God. And the Bible says, if we seek him with all of our heart, we'll find him. And that's my message to you. So lay aside everything that the mullahs and the sheikhs and the imams have told you, and, uh, uh, because, you know, the, the Bible says that the enemy, Satan, is a liar and the father of all lies. So everything regarding to that Bible is changed and it's not God's word and it's distorted. Uh, lay them all aside and ask God for yourself. God, who are you? I want to know you. If, if what Ramin says is true, I want to know that. Show me. And if you genuinely do that, I promise you, God, in one way or another, he will reveal himself to you. And, um, and that's the – because it's not that you have to accept what I say or you have to accept what the mullahs or the imam or sheikhs say. Just r- reach out to God and say, God, I know you made me. You made this world and everything in it. Reveal yourself to me. If Christ is your son, if Jesus died for me on the cross and rose from the dead, I want to know that. Show me. And I promise you God will, uh, will impact your heart and he will put more people on your path. He will give you signs until you believe.
2: Do you, I, I think that's a, some great advice. I'm just, I want, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I'm wondering if you have five more minutes, uh, Pastor Remy, to talk take to us. Yeah, All right. I, I know that you have a very unique perspective on the issue of persecution as a Christian and that you yourself have undergone some difficulties. Um, you mentioned briefly that you even had some difficulties before you were a Christian um, when you were still in Iran because of Sharia. Yes. Um, but, but now you've also experienced religious challenges as a Christian here in yes. America. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit ab- about what you've been going through. Uh,
0: yes, well, thank you. Uh, yes, since I became a believer, I really didn't have much persecution from my family because uh, my family, in fact, my mother got healed after I became a Christian and I prayed for my mother she got healed physically, and she was the first convert in my family. And then my, my siblings and uh, most of my siblings gave their heart to Jesus. And uh, and um, so the uh, But then uh, I was in a, another country in the Middle East, and when I was there, I was persecuted for my faith. I was fired out of jobs. I was arrested multiple times uh, for evangelizing, for telling people about Jesus. And based upon the Islamic Sharia law, based upon the uh, teachings of Islam, if somebody abandons Islam... And, and believes in any other faith basically um, the the result for that is death the Islam prescribes uh, death for the people who abandon Islam the, the, the punishment for apostasy is death and then not only that the Quran allows uh, basically the Muslims or commands Muslims to persecute the Christians and Jews surah 9 verse 29 in the Quran says Muhammad says <laughs> In Arabic, it says kill all who don't believe in Allah and in what, in his messenger and what Allah and his messenger have made unlawful. Even if they are the people of the book, Jews and Christians, unless they pray uh, Jaziya. So, basically, the Quran is full of those verses that is talking about fighting the infidels and un- unbelievers and people who reject Allah and Islam, that you have to fight with them and do jihad and, in order to establish uh, Islam all over the world. So, uh, and, and, I was recently actually in America, I was in, uh, the, um, I was in uh, uh, Minnesota, I was uh, speaking at a church, after the church went to this mall, and um, I was, uh, we just went to see the mall, we really didn't have any plan to go evangelize. Uh, the, my host wanted to show me uh, the studio a little bit, and went to this biggest mall in North America, and as we were there, we ran to some Somali Muslims, a lot of Somalis live in uh, Minnesota. And uh, so we just ran to some of them. We had a casual conversation. Hello, how are you? Where are you from? They asked me the same thing. And I told them, and, uh, and they say, oh, are you Muslim? Very exciting. Uh, they said, are you Muslim? I said, well, I used to be. I'm a Christian now. And then shockingly, they said, why? Why did you change? And I was giving my testimony, the exact same thing that I just told you guys. And, um, and then another Muslim lady who was not a part of the conversation, she was listening to us. And she went and told the guard. And the guard, I don't know what she, she told the guard, but when the guard came, uh, the guard said, hey, guys, you cannot talk religion here. You cannot talk, you know, you cannot uh, solicit here. And we said, no, no, we're not soliciting. Even those two ladies began to argue with that lady uh, that you want to know why he changed. Uh, and then they started arguing. So we just walked away. We, we, we had to go. Uh, we didn't have much time. And we went to a coffee shop. We got some coffee. And when I came out, three guards were waiting for me. Uh, and they asked me, to, they, they asked me to leave right now. And I said, "Why?" Uh, They said, "Because you're soliciting." And I said, "No, no, I'm not. I'm a guest here. I'm speaking at a church. I'm just visiting, and I just came to see the mall." And that's when they uh, basically handcuffed me and uh, they uh, they grabbed my coffee. They handcuffed me. They took me to a basement, and I was basically chained or handcuffed to this chair, a metal chair, for hours. And um, and uh, they refused to give me water and let me use restroom. So I was there for, and I was shocked that such a thing could happen in America. A Christian nation, this country was found by Christians. And uh, so I was sitting there in shock, but I felt, again, a peace, a very um, uh, amazing and very, um, uh, a peace that was surpassing my understanding. I was sitting there, and this bubble of peace came all around me. And I heard this wo- these words in my, my heart, not, not in my mind, but not in my ears, but in my heart, I am coming back soon. And I heard these striking words, and I just was comforted, and I felt this peace. And at that moment, I realized that really, we don't belong to this world. We don't belong to this world. And sooner or later, we're going to go be with Jesus, or he's going to come and, and uh, establish his kingdom um, completely. So uh, he's coming back soon. Either uh, if before our time or after our time comes, we're going to go see him in heaven. Uh, but if before that he comes, we're going to see him coming on the clouds of heaven. And he's going to come as a, as a reigning king. The first time he came, he came as a, uh, as a lamb who took away the sin of the world. The second time when he comes, he comes as a king to rule and to judge. So uh, now I know because Jesus said, if the world hates you, remember that, they, that it hated me first. And because you believe in me, uh, they hate you. And, and then uh, in First John, the Bible says, you know, you're not of the world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. So the Bible has given us many, many uh, scriptures that we're going to be persecuted for our faith. But we stand for truth and we speak the truth in love. We love Muslim people. We tell them about Jesus, that, and that there is salvation and hope for them in Christ if they come to me.
1: Amen. Thank you so much for your time. Um, we do want to wrap it up we don't want to hold you too long but I'm just wondering is there anything you would like to share about your ministry where you're based um, how people can connect with you if, the, if they have more questions?
0: Sure um, yes uh, my ministry has been uh, about reaching out to Muslims in past uh, past 13 years we've been reaching out to Muslims uh, We have a uh, uh, online church we do every Monday morning we reach out to the uh, foreign Muslims who, Uh, have become Christians all around the world, and they come online every uh, Monday morning. Uh, And they come from Europe, from Canada, from Iran, Turkey, um, from all over the world. These Iranians who have become Christians, and they come online and we teach them. I've been doing that for seven years, Uh, then we we give Bibles, we send Bibles to the Muslim countries, because in many Muslim countries, Bible is illegal. So we supply, uh, uh, basically, Muslims with a Bible, we want them to read the Bible, we want them to read it for themselves. I always tell Muslims, you know, read the Quran and read the Bible and let your conscience be your judge, not your imam, not your mullah. Uh, let your conscience judge which one is the truth. You know, when you read the, the first few pages of the, of the Bible, in the New Testament, the Gospels, when you read the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus said, uh, because when I read the Gospel for the first time, I was weeping, I was crying, and I said, why this book should be illegal? Because when I read the first few pages of the New Testament, the, of the Gospel of Matthew, And I saw that Jesus said that, love your enemies and pray for those who hate you and spitefully use you. And in compared to what I was taught as a Muslim, you know, every morning in the school, we were taught, we were forced to curse America and Israel. That's how we started school. Every morning, they told us that, you know, these Jewish people, you know, they're enemies of Allah and so forth. But then the contrast and the Quran also, Muhammad curses the Jews and Christians. in Surah 9 in verse 28 and all the way to verse 30. Muhammad says that uh, the Jews believe that Ezra was the son of God and and Christians believe that uh, Christ is the son of God. And he, and Muhammad said this is a saying from their mouth, Allah's curse be upon them. So we used to curse uh, Jews and Christians every morning, Americans and Israelis every morning. But then when we read the gospel and it saw the love of Christ, that he's saying that love your enemies and pray for those who hate you and spitefully use you. And I saw the contrast was so vast when I saw... Uh, the, the words of jesus so simple but so profound and so peaceful and the things that christ did and the, the entire gospel is the message of a victory of love over hatred victory of life over death um, and it's all about restoration and healing and, and there's hope for you in god and i was weeping and crying when i read the, the new testament and that's when i made it uh, made a promise to take this gospel to the whole world in fact i I made a promise to the Lord that I'm going to serve you the rest of my life. and But then I began to you know, um, spread the gospel. So we reach out to Muslims. We take mission trips to many different countries, and we send Bibles. And, um, and people can get in touch with us through our website, raminparsa.org. Uh, my, my email is uh, ramin at uh, That's my email. If anybody wants to get in contact with us, they um, can do it through our website and uh, we also have a YouTube channel where we do uh, teachings. Uh, we have a lot of uh, English and Farsi teachings, Persian teachings that people can use and uh, on different topics So we talk about.
2: Very good. Uh, our friend Juwad just texted in. He had a follow-up question to something you said. So if you have time, I'd love to have you respond sure. to that. Okay. Uh, Juwad says, according to the Quran, the fight commandments, I'm assuming he means like what you were talking about earlier with the jihad, making jihad against others, are meant for defensive purpose, purposes, not offensive ones. And then Juwad is just affirming again that he's asking this with infinite respect and love. So he's he's just really wanting to know.
0: Um, well, that's what the what, that's what the Muslims say many times in Mullahs, but that's not, that, that's not really what the Quran teaches. See, uh, when if you look at the life of Muhammad. When Muhammad was in Makkah, he said many good things, but that's when he didn't have much power. So, for example, he said there's no compulsion in religion. And, uh, and he said Jews and Christians are the people of the book. They have books, so, and they are good. So he said many good and peaceful things. But then when he, uh, when he moved to Medina, and then he started gathering an army, and then he started robbing caravans, then he changed. So the same person who said uh, there's no compulsion in religion, in Surah 9, verse 29, it says kill all who don't believe in allah it doesn't say if people attack you or fight with you it says kill all who don't believe in allah uh, and uh, and uh, you can just right now open the quran and see it now in english translation they translate that word kill to fight but it still says you know, kill those who don't believe in allah and his messenger and what allah and his messenger have made unlawful kill them unless they pay jizya uh, with submission and humility so and that's exactly what ISIS was telling the people in Iraq and Syria. They would go to the, uh, the Christian homes and uh, basically would tell them uh, before they, they, they occupy a city or conquer a city, they would send some people to mark the Christian homes with the word N in Arabic, which is like a half circle with a dot, and that means that uh, the word Nazarene or Nasri, which means Christian in Arabic, and um, uh, which it comes from the word Nazarene. Uh, so. They would mark those, those homes with the word N. And then when the ISIS troops came in, they would go to those houses and they would force Christians either to become, they would give them the, uh, three options. Either become Muslims or they pay jizya, the blood money, or be killed. And they, uh, m- most often they would pay and, um, to to remain alive. And that's exactly what Quran teaches. Surah 929, you can look it up right now. So this idea of, uh, if you look at the Quran and the Hadith, the things that Muhammad said, Uh, None of them, because Muhammad spoke in a position of power. He was really never oppressed. Nobody attacked Muslims. Imagine Saudi Arabia was a place where a woman like Khadija, Muhammad's first wife, which was a businesswoman. So in Saudi Arabia, a woman could be a businesswoman uh, before Muhammad basically came to power. But now women cannot even drive, cannot even vote. They have zero right in Saudi Arabia or in many Muslim countries. So we see that when Muhammad was in Saudi Arabia, He was free. Nobody was uh, objecting. People rejected him and his message, but nobody oppressed him because Saudi Arabia was a place like, imagine, like in America, like Los Angeles, like New York. You could be whatever you wanted. You could be worshiping idols or you could be um, a Jew or a Christian or an atheist or agnostic, uh, a Epicurean or whatever belief that you wanted to adhere to because that was how Saudi Arabia was at that time. Basically, all over the world, like Jerusalem, people would take merchandise from Jerusalem, go to Medina, to Mecca, go to Iran, and then travel all the world. But people had their own beliefs. But then when Muhammad came, he said, no, you must only worship Allah. And that's when they got a conflict. And then eventually, Muhammad uh, basically had these guerrilla wars and began to attack. Caravans were coming out of Mecca, robbed the caravans, and then eventually became more powerful to the point that he conquered the entire Arabian Peninsula. So it wasn't that he was defending himself against oppression and people want to kill them. There was no such a thing. Uh, of course, they you know some some Muslim scholars want to want us to believe that, but that's not the truth. That's not if you read the Quran from the text of the Quran, you can see that that doesn't say that people who attack you. Most of the violent verses is talking about people who don't believe what Allah says or don't do what Allah requires, and most of the verse violent verses talking about people and that. Don't do what Allah has commanded. And it's not about oppression or war or fight.
2: Well, thank you. And I am just so thankful again that you set aside the time to be with us tonight. I'm glad it worked out. We've been trying to get uh, Pastor Ramin on for a while. And he's very, very busy traveling and uh, working for the Lord. And just kind of worked out at the last minute to have him on tonight. So we're very grateful. Once again, I want to let everyone know you can connect with him at RaminParsa.org, and I would commend to you his book, uh, From Ashes to Glory. And thank you so much, Ramin, for for thank being you. on with us today.
0: My pleasure. My honor. Thank you for having no, me. No,
2: it's our honor. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Yes.
0: God bless you. Thank
2: you. All right. God bless you. You too. Bye. Well, I think that I learned a lot. So did I. I'm so glad that he was able to come on and be with us because I learned a ton. I'm going to have to like watch that back. I'm going to have to listen to the podcast myself just yes. to ingest all of that. There was a that. lot
1: in there. Yeah,
2: and a lot of good practical things for me to consider when Muslims cross my path and, and how to ask better questions and, and how to how to be in those conversations. So, wow, what an honor to be able to talk to somebody like that. That was very cool. So. Yeah. Now from the, the divine to the very mundane. Yeah. <laughs> so last night.
1: Last night. What a transition, too. Yeah. It's like we come from this awe oh, moment. I know. It's so glorious. Know, yeah. We went to a concert. Yeah. We are not necessarily as holy. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, we are. Well, no. No, no. <laughs> we went to the Eric Church concert last night.
2: And it was. Good. It was interesting. It was a yeah. cultural
1: experience, I think, for both of us. It definitely was for me. I have never gone to
2: a country music anything before. I, I haven't either. Okay. But I've been listening to country music for 25 years or so. I've probably, been... probably more, actually, more like 40. I'll okay. go back to my childhood. Wow. But, yeah. I've been listening for a week. <laughs> But I got you was, in a Johnny Cash shirt. Yes.
1: So, and I have the picture to prove it. <laughs> yes, it said the man in black yes. and yes, it was it was good. It yeah. was it was good. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad that we went. One of the things that we spoke about this morning, which was really weird and coincidental, yeah. was that we were sharing the same thoughts about how people were here at this concert and in a sense, just worshiping.
2: Yeah. It, it. When my husband, when Bob asked me this morning uh, how it was, uh, I said, it was an interesting worship experience. And those are my first descriptors to him of, of what it was like. I mean, here's 10,000 people at the Staples Center all singing along to Eric Church's music and um, you know, for those who don't know Eric Church, he's like some combination of like Johnny Cash meets I don't know Merle Haggard and Zach Williams is like kind of a Christian stylistically, sort of kind of like Eric Church, but he he talks a lot about I think kind of the what i call like hillbilly culture and hillbilly values if people have read the book hillbilly elegy it's i think a lot of themes of that are covered in that book and the culture of jesus on sunday and hard drinking Whiskey they talked a lot about whiskey. There was a lot whiskey. of whiskey. Songs. Whiskey Monday to Saturday. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of whiskey, Jack Daniel's, a little I, bit of weed this, and yeah. um but also a good amount of Jesus and uh some the struggle of living in a fallen broken world but wanting to be connected to something transcendent. I think the very end of the conference uh concert and it was interesting. He kind of had this, it was, first of all, it was three hours, pedal to the metal, yes. all the way, no opening act. He just got up there and started ripping with the guitar and his band, and it didn't stop really for th- three hours. I three mean, he hours? had a short 20-minute intermission, but I mean, it was uh, unlike any experience I've ever had. I've been to some Christian music com- concerts But this was next level, like the lights and the video. I couldn't even figure it all out. It was so loud and so much sensory things happening. But the thing was, is that as people are singing along, he had this little sing-along at the end of songs not written by him, like Billy Joel's Piano Man and... Um, I think he had an Elton John song in there. I and knew none
1: of the people or the songs, yeah. so was, I just sat and it enjoyed. It was
2: a lot of, like, 70s, early 80s, just sing-along. And it reminded me of my childhood and going to hymn sings where everyone just knows the music. It's just part of the culture. And he he just stood up there with his guitar. The band had left, and he was just kind of doing a sing-along. And I thought, this is so fascinating that— All these people in the Staples Center, they all just know these songs, and we're just kind of having a good old-fashioned sing-along. And what struck me about it was how acceptable it was. Like, you go to church a lot of times on Sunday, and I see a lot of people just sort of standing there with their arms folded, no expressions, not moving their bodies, not clapping. But you go to the Eric Church concert, people are getting crazy, and I mean, when
1: I, I'm not trying to jump from like the worship experience, but when you say getting crazy and the whole dance, people when when I dance, I like to dance on the two and the four. Some people were on like the one and the three. That's the hill belly way. I am not familiar with the one yeah. and the three or like the five and the twelve. I was like, you know, that's a whole nother rhythm all by itself. <laughs> but even in that, one of the things that we were talking about was the idea that you know when people come to church they tend to be so stiff and stoic. But, you know, you get them out on the Saturday night... At the Eric Church concert, and here they are,
2: arms flowing, woo, and, yeah. you know, just yeah. doing their own thing. <laughs> Monique made an observation. White people say woo a lot when they're yeah. excited. <laughs> they and, you know,
1: we say different things, but it's the woo. And I was, I was like, wow, there's a lot of wooing.
2: But that's okay. People but, woo. But they, they use their bodies. They, they would- dance, they and would sway. some of the
1: same postures that I would see in church like with the raised hand and things like that, yeah. eyes closed. They were in the moment. Yeah, they were all in. Yeah. And we talked about this a bit this morning too is what is the difference in this environment versus that environment? Yeah, some are non-believers and just doing their own thing and that's fine. But when you take the believer to the Eric Church concert, And then you take that same believer and plop them in church. I wonder what's the difference in the movement or the freedom, maybe the freedom of expression.
2: Well, and even to just to build on that, it's like (laughs) you go to go to a concert experience like this and boy, you're dropping cash. You know, I mean, there were a lot of people there wearing concert T-shirts and those shirts are $35. I said the devil is a lie. I better get my Eric Cash t-shirt at Ross. <laughs> well, there was some bootleggers out in front afterwards selling them for $10. Yeah. But, no, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think that you drop a lot of cash going to the concert. You're paying $20, $25 for parking. You're going and you're buying a $35 shirt. I mean, there's some serious cash being dropped at that. Venue. Said, Eric Cash, it's Eric Church, and it's Johnny okay, Cash. It's okay, it's okay. See, I don't know these people. <laughs> I do not know these people. But I think okay. it's, I wondered like how many of these same people, they go to church on Sunday and they think like, oh, I can't give. I can't afford. Of course I
1: can't afford to give. My shirt it was $35 last <laughs> night. Were you not at the concert? <laughs> yeah.
2: But it, 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 I wonder what kind of value system that reveals about our heart, of where our hearts really are. That we can go into that that arena and be so free. I mean, there was one song he's sang about boots, and everyone yeah, took I didn't off their understand boots that. and they're waving in the air their boots and everyone and when he's just looking at me because I think there were maybe you and two other black people. No, there. there were not. They were there were not. There was me and me alone, and I looked. I looked. You looked among the sea of ten thousand. Yes. But you know, people were taking off their boots and waving them, and, and they would be waving their hands and closing their eyes, and it, it, their emotions were involved. Their physical bodies were involved. Their money was involved. You know, they, they had so much on the line in this experience, yes. and it made me wonder, have I ever seen Christians that excited about going to worship or about sharing their faith? H- have I ever seen Christians so zealous in terms of what their posture is about what they believe and that they want to share it. I mean, many people had homemade shirts mm-hmm. that they had made many people. We were one of the only people that didn't have something Eric church. Yeah, And it's like a whole subculture there. And it, it I thought, wow, this is so interesting. Cause this is really my first secular concert experience, and it it made me wonder, um, and it was great. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I just was having this kind of question in the back of my mind of what does this reveal about us as a culture, as a people, as an individual of what I think about this? Because Eric Church even said at the end of the concert, he said that he thought music was like the most transcendent thing in the universe, and I thought, hmm, that's an interesting philosophical position. I would say there's something more transcendent than music, but the music is a reflection Mm -hmm. of what it means to be created in the image of God. And what we're enjoying in the concert is a reflection of the creativity. And as we reflect creative things, that's part of the reflection of the image of God in us. And, but that there's something even more transcendent than that. And that is Jesus and, and his love. But That was a very interesting experience.
1: It really was. And I know I mentioned um, the idea that or the thought that came to me of wondering, do people feel more constricted in church? Mm. Like, well, you know, that's not the way you're supposed to behave in church. And I was wondering what your thoughts were on that. Because I know one of my examples was like, well, David danced till his clothes fell off. <laughs> he,
2: was you very know? he
1: was just doing doing his own thing. He was like, excuse me one second, <laughs> I'll be back. Um, but do you, like, is that something that you think is plausible, possible? I don't know. It
2: really or? made me think. I, I think that if I were to write worship songs, and I am not a musical person by any stretch. But I think some of the, the struggles that I have sometimes with Christian music is that I feel like it's all about the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. It's oh, it's often just describing the mountaintop. And that's okay. But I think if I were writing worship songs, the songs I would write would be something more along the lines of Johnny Cash and Eric Church, which is about the struggle of the mundane sinner to, to struggle through the life and struggle with living in a simple world and how do I overcome my sin and describing the struggle. I just feel like so many of the worship songs today, I don't get the real uh, from them. You know, it just feels like it's, it's all about glory and victory. And even when there is a struggle, it's really more about like my Mm self-esteem and, and, and struggling with my self-esteem. And I'm thinking like, where are the songs about my struggle with addiction yeah, where this my struggle to overcome my sin. I think that's why I resonate so much with artists like Johnny Cash and Eric Church, because they do have that mixture of Christianity in there, but they're talking about themes of the struggle of sin. And I find that so much more real in terms of my own journal journey and my experience. And um, I don't know, I, I, I like it that they're for the underdog and Johnny Cash did. It's the 50th anniversary right now of the, of the release of one of his prison albums, San Quentin. And, and to me, I just can relate to that so much more of how do I deal with living in a sinful, broken world? And that I, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, am trying to figure out, find my way through that. And even though Eric Church is a little bit, um, a little too into drinking is a big part of that culture that, and I don't drink and I don't, I, it. it it's a little concerning to me, you know, I hope he's okay, but, you know, I, it's, I understand it because there's a lot of people that, that struggle and that is a real part of the real world. And how do you find your way through that as, as a Christ follower? So anyway, uh, Juwan is following up with, uh, our conversation, uh, in the chat box with Ramin and those are some good, Follow up questions, Juwad. I'm really glad that you're asking them, and I uh, maybe we'll have Ramin on again, and we'll continue the conversation about the differences between Islam and ISIS. Yeah. You know, he's bringing that up and making that differentiation, and uh, those are good, good, good follow up questions. So, want to thank you for that.
1: And also want to encourage everyone out there to check out Pastor Ramin Parsa's website yeah. at raminparsa.org. And Ramin could be spelled different ways. Yeah. So we just want to say R-A-M-I-N-P-A-R-S-A dot O-R-G. Follow, check him out, check him out on YouTube yeah. and all the social media venues that that he is holding right now really and, good information out there and
2: he gave his email earlier at ramin it's ramin
1: at, at ramin
2: so if people want to follow up with him directly juad if you want to do that you can certainly email him and, and interact with him directly about your questions those are great questions yes so let's do the wrap
1: there it is that's the end that's well the not end. quite well maybe <laughs>
2: let's talk about youtube um, I've got some oh, new yeah. teachings coming up. I'm doing a series right now on race. Hi, issues. I'm Monique,
1: and I'm new. That's okay.
2: <laughs> so this week I posted a couple of new videos on interracial marriage. All the next one comes up on Tuesday, where I'll be making my positive case for interracial marriage from the Scriptures.
1: Yes, I appreciate that. I think that you should call it are you down with the swirl is this a black term what no because you <laughs> oh, know, like swirl I've never ice heard cream this. at mcdonald's oh. with the black and the white but it, i mean okay. it could be any flavor okay you know just are you down with the swirl okay yeah
2: I, yeah maybe we could uh flash monique's twitter account up there because she is single and um, are you down with the swirl I am
1: down with the swirl. I am down with the swirl. Yes.
2: But yes. do get connected to Monique on Twitter, the real Monique Dean. And if anyone has any tutorials, they would like to send her to get her to things. Yeah, I tweet don't really things.
1: get Twitter. I don't yeah. understand it. But, you know, I might tweet this week. That'll be my goal for the week. Okay. Is to make a tweet. <laughs> there
2: yes. So check out my YouTube channel as Theology Mom. And... I have several hundred videos there because I have a lot of opinions. Yes. And <laughs> Yes, she does. That's and my 16-year-old. Uh, and um, you can check out my current series on race issues. We have a lot of fun videos planned in that series coming up. Oh, it'll probably take me a couple months to get through everything. But, but
1: all jokes aside, like, it's a really good teaching on God's idea for humanity. You know, and not that we are supposed to be, you know, so separated, but that Christ came. And in Christ, we are Christian. We find ourselves as one in him. Jesus over everything.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There it is. And our uh, podcast is available now on Spotify. So you can search for theology. Yeah. That's the white version. (laughs) Uh, You can search on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, just search for theology mom and it will come up. So if you miss a week, you can get uh, plot replatformed on those other um, venues, and uh, we just are having fun here. This is like the craziest situation. We just get behind microphones and yeah. talk about whatever—just
1: whatever, whatever comes up. Yeah,
2: day. whatever comes up. There it day. is. Yeah. So connect with us again on social media. I'm at theology mom everywhere. And you can connect to Monique at the Real Monique D on Twitter. Yes,
1: because I am not everywhere, but I'll get there one day. Yeah. Don't forget uh, this picture
2: here. Oh yes, I spoke this week at the Union Rescue Mission. Uh that was fun. There I am wearing a Johnny Cash shirt because I just can't get enough. I have five of them. Um, and that was a lot of fun. I spoke at the Orange County Rescue Mission on church denominations. So that's a new teaching that will also be coming this week
1: to yes, my YouTube channel. Yes,
2: so. Why maybe, are there, why are there so many churches?
1: That's something that <laughs> I would like to talk about next week. All right, let's
2: table that so for next week. So I just want to
1: hold that off just okay. until next week because I think it's, there's more to talk about and to yeah. investigate than just a, let's do a it. brief little, you know, yeah. ha moment.
2: So support us. We really appreciate your support at PayPal and you can support this ministry. Um, Theology Mom, you can search for that on PayPal. Just continue to, help uh, sew into this ministry, helping us improve our process. This week, my husband was able to uh, build a teleprompter yeah. so that my videos will continue to increase in, in quality and and being able to um, do do better on my teachings. So we do thank you for your support in helping to sew into this ministry and helping us to uh, continue to improve things. And I guess that's it. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. A wrap. Thanks for watching the show and we appreciate all your comments and your likes, your shares. Be sure to subscribe and we love you and God bless you. Bye.